Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, sorry, Hebrews 4, verse 14 through to chapter 5, verse 10. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honour on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest. Do please sit down. Dads have been in the news a bit this week. The independent think tank, the Centre for Social Justice, was lamenting the fact that one million children in the UK are growing up without a father as a result of what they call the tsunami of family breakdown. Their concern is that children who grow up without a supportive father figure are more vulnerable to teenage crime, pregnancy and general disadvantage. And their concern has been reinforced by medical research from the University of Bristol which finds that girls whose fathers are absent in the first five years of their lives are more likely to suffer from depression. All of which suggests that when it comes to the long-term well-being of a child, a test tube full of sperm may not be an adequate substitute for a father who's actively involved in loving, supporting and bringing that child up. And mums net have grumbled about the way in which fathers are portrayed in the media. Homer Simpson uh, allows stereotypes of fathers as lazy and stupid uh, to be encouraged in the minds of other people. The problem is, though, that, that dads, if we are around, seem so easily to get it wrong. Uh, absent, lazy or stupid... Research from the states that children typically have viewed their fathers as more rigid, threatening and demanding than mothers. Dads tend to be more strict and are perhaps more likely to punish children. But where the father is excessively dominant or controlling, that can lead to low levels of moral judgment, personal problems, difficulties at school and eventual delinquency. It's a very fine line that you walk as a dad. And you can see why many families end up feeling that an absent father is better, perhaps, than an overbearing or a violent one. And all this impinges on our image of God as father. 
which is one of the dominant metaphors we have for understanding what God is like. For many people, God is, is no more present in their lives than their missing father. And if their memories of their father are negative rather than positive, you can understand why they're happy if God just keeps his distance. Thank you very much. If they have this view that God is never pleased with us, then that, that's a difficult thing to cope with. Every time he's around, you have to keep on saying sorry for letting him down so much, not living up to his impossibly high standards. So if we feel that he's perpetually disappointed in us, and deep down we're not really worth being loved, that's hard to cope with. Because if the God who made us doesn't love and accept us, what hope have we got by being accepted and loved by anybody? And we do all need to know that we are accepted. Peter van Bremen puts it well. One of the deepest needs of the human heart is the need to be appreciated. Every human being wants to be valued. Every human being craves to be accepted, accepted for what he is. When I am not accepted, something in me is broken. Acceptance means I'm welcome to be myself. Acceptance liberates everything that's in me. Only when I'm loved in that deep sense of complete acceptance can I become myself. The love, the acceptance of other persons makes me the unique person that I'm meant to be. When a person is appreciated for what he does, he's not unique. Someone else can do the same work perhaps better than the other. But when a person is loved for what he is, then he becomes a unique and irreplaceable personality. So I need that acceptance in order to be myself. When I'm not accepted, I'm a nobody. I can't come to fulfilment. An accepted person is a happy person because he's opened up and because he can grow. And that's why a faulty perception of God as a demanding, irascible father who it's impossible to please is so damaging. Because that image of God robs us of our confidence and makes us feel worthless. Yet that is a travesty of how God really feels about us. And that's why it's so important that our image of God is defined by Jesus who makes God known to us as the one who loves us so much that he would do anything to bridge the gap between us. And in giving his son to us and for us, has already done that. In Jesus, we find a God who understands us, who loves us unconditionally, and whose total acceptance of us can be the basis for a renewed confidence and hope that we really are someone special in his sight. Most, if not all of us, will have had the experience of feeling stupid when we've got something wrong and of other people rubbing salt in the wound by telling us just how bad we really are. Yet in Jesus, as our high priest, we see someone who completely understands our weaknesses, knows where we're coming from, identifies with our frailties because he's been there himself. So when we find ourselves getting things wrong or not understanding who we are or what we're supposed to do, in Jesus we see God coming alongside not to criticise or condemn or complain but to deal gently and sympathetically with us because he understands and accepts and loves us. But notice that that gentleness and sympathy does mean, do mean that he deals with us. He does more than shake his head and sadly say that he knows how we feel. In Jesus we have someone who can and does actually make a difference, who turns our lives around and becomes a source of eternal salvation to us all. That's what it means for him to be high priest. He is one of us, one with us, there for us. 
He comes alongside us when we're up against it. He stands with us when we're struggling to resist temptation and lifts us to our feet again when we failed and messed up. In our time of need, he leads us to the very front of the queue so that we can come to the throne of grace to receive the mercy and grace that we need to help us through. In Jesus, we find the acceptance that can be the key to turning our lives around. In Jesus, we see God as he really is like. And it's important to recognise that in Jesus, the true nature of God is revealed, not a God who is indifferent, impassive and uncaring, who simply folds his arms and watches us get on with it and remains unmoved when we get things wrong or when we're hurt. Sometimes the, the, image, the image of Jesus can also lead to distorted images of God. We have sometimes this mistaken impression that God is an angry old man in the sky and Jesus steps in between us and God to pacify him and try and reassure us that we don't need to be afraid because his bark is worse than his bite. Or worse still, that God somehow uses Jesus as a whipping boy and having vented his anger on Jesus, he grudgingly then allows us into his presence so long as we don't do anything else to upset him. These are caricatures but they're powerful caricatures of God that reflect how many people really do feel. In Jesus, we see God making himself known to us as someone who identifies with us, who's able to sympathise with us, who deals gently with us, who welcomes us into his presence and who freely makes his grace and mercy available to us whenever we need them. In short, Jesus makes God known to us as the perfect father, the one that all we human fathers fail to match up to. And if our image of God is correctly and accurately defined by Jesus, then through Christ we can see God as a father who loves us unconditionally, who is totally committed to taking care of us, who readily and gladly forgives us when we get it wrong and encourages us to get it right. We're all made in God's image and nothing gives God more pleasure than to see the image of his love for us reflected in our relationships with each other. That's why we're told to forgive each other as he's forgiven us. And because we're made in his image, each and every one of us has immense potential to achieve great things and he's delighted when we do just that. Because as a father he knows us perfectly, he recognises that what one may struggle to achieve is well within another's grasp. Some of us have to make a huge effort to manage what might be a comparatively small thing for somebody else. But he knows us. He celebrates our achievements. He never belittles any one of his children. It's always a personal delight to him when we do manage to do something because he delights in us as his children. And he gives us the warm encouragement of his Holy Spirit to go further. This is a God we don't need to be afraid of in a negative sense because he's capricious or unstable. This is a God whom we can trust. Jesus encouraged his disciples when they prayed to call God Abba, which is the Aramaic word for daddy, a term which simply expresses intimacy, trust, confidence. A word without parallel in the many different ways in which people address God in Jesus' day. We all of us here will have had different experiences of being brought up or not being brought up by our fathers. 
Some of us earlier will genuinely have found a number of things to thank God for about our fathers. And if you feel you can do that, you're in a privileged position. If your father's still alive, take an opportunity today to tell him how grateful you are. But say a prayer as well for those whose memories of their father don't produce feelings of gratitude, but feelings of anger or of pain or rejection or indifference. Who may have struggled earlier this morning to think about the idea of thanking God for their father. For better or worse, we all have different fathers and none of us have been able to choose them. But there is only one Heavenly Father. My Heavenly Father is the same as yours and yours and yours. He's the same yesterday, today and forever, utterly and completely 100% consistent in his steadfast love and his faithfulness to us. Nothing we do can ever stop him loving us. We have the power to grieve him and even break his heart. But the extent of his commitment to us is revealed in his gift to us of his son Jesus Christ, who opens God's heart to us so that we can see how his heart beats with love for us every single moment of the day. And who in Christ has broken down every barrier to reach us, and who invites us to share eternal life with him. This is the God we see in Jesus, the one who is the heavenly father of us all. Jesus, as high priest, makes this God known to us. A God who's heart is wide open to every single one of us and who longs for our hearts to be wide open to him in turn as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you understand our struggles. Thank you that you entered our world because we so easily get a distorted image of God. Because we can project onto God our own negative experiences of fatherhood. Thank you that you came to reveal a God who loves, who understands and sympathises, who readily forgives, who encourages us and develops the best in us, draws out the best in us. A God who gives us salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that in you we know complete acceptance, total forgiveness, unconditional love, Thank you for being high priest and for making God known to us as our Heavenly Father. Enable us to welcome his love into our hearts and help us to trust him more. 